You have found the Run Around Iowa, the podcast that's dedicated to news and interviews with the athletes, coaches, and personalities who are making headlines in college cross country, track and field, road running, trail running, and triathlon in the state of Iowa. And now from the home office in Clive, here is your host, Lance Bergeson. Hello and a good Memorial Day Monday to you all. It's a special day today honoring all the veterans who sacrificed for us, uh, made the ultimate sacrifice in many, many wars we've been in. Um, special day. Hope you were able to honor a vet in some way, either by flying your flag or certainly visiting a veteran somewhere in a cemetery. Uh, this is the run around Iowa and big weekend we just got done with as the, we saw the NCAA West and East prelims um, as they make the next step toward nationals. Now in two weeks we've got the Division I championships officially is what they call it, semifinals and finals in most of the events. And we had the finale of the NAIA Nationals as well as Division Two and Division Three, And I'm going to hit the highlights here of what I thought were, I think, 10 of the more impressive performances uh, from the past two weeks. I can't forget about the NJCAA Nationals that took place uh, a week ago, and that was in Kansas. So I got a couple of entries there for that. So... I'm going to jump into my top 10, um, best from nationals. It was a busy track and field uh, weekend for colleges. But I'm going to start off with the pros, and it was the Prefontaine Classic at Hayward Field, two-day event on Friday and Saturday at what's going to be busy Eugene, Oregon, at their new beautiful Hayward Field. Uh, they had the Prefontaine, of course, and now we've got U.S. Nationals coming up um, in June, and then that's all leading into the World Championships. And somebody punched their ticket, and she is an Iowan, Carissa Schweizer. She makes her season debut after having surgery on her Achilles in October. She she comes back from that in her first race of the season. She looks great. Uh, she uh, holds off Alicia Monson to uh, win the USA Track and Field 10,000 Championship. Uh, 30.49.56 is what Carissa ran. She's former Dowling Catholic star, also a six-time NCAA champion at Missouri. And um, an Olympian at Tokyo as we all watched her last summer. Well, now she's at least going to be representing the U.S. at Hayward Field in July. She is one of three who have made it along, along with Monson. Um, she beat uh, Monson by about a second and a half. Uh, really had a great uh, finish. Looked like Monson uh, down the finish might have been able to pull it off, but uh, Carissa showed a bit of uh, a bit of extra, a little bit of extra push, and um, she was even surprised um, that uh, Carissa said in her post-race interviews, um, she said, I definitely didn't think I was in that good of shape, she said, when um, they ran the final 5,000 meters, she and Monson, in under 15 minutes. 
I was very confident that I was a better, better place than I was last year. I'm excited to see where this continues to go. So many doubts and uncertainties lying ahead, and I was really nervous, but I'm excited that I was able to have that surgery and able to come back so quickly. Um, so is an excellent performance from Carissa as um, she's all the way back from, like I said, that Achilles surgery. They'll be joined by Natasha Rogers, who was the third spot in that 10,000. It's curious to me why they held this 10,000 um, on the Prefantine Classic instead of uh, in three weeks' time at Eugene, along with the rest of the USA uh, track and field national schedule. Now they did it because they think that three three weeks between the U.S. nationals and the world championships was not enough for a ten thousand meters. Well, <laughs> a lot of these pros um, would run every week if you had them. Of course, you're not going to be able to peak every time for that. But nevertheless, you would think three weeks between U.S. nationals and the worlds would be enough of a preparation to get ready for that. Um, you would think that it would be enough of a rest time, I, that I should say. But that's why they moved it um, to the Prefontaine weekend, um, to give them a little bit more rest. I personally would have liked to have seen it with the rest of the program, um, with the U.S. Track and Field Championships. But the other thing is now this gives uh, runners like Carissa and Monson a chance to qualify in the 5,000. Now they can turn right back around at the world at the U.S. Championships in three weeks and, <laughs> and then try to qualify in that event. So they can do the double, which hasn't been done very often over the last nine U.S. Championships that have been held in world championships years. Only four athletes have done the 5K and done 10K double and qualified for the U.S. Galen Rupp did it three different times, 11, 13, and 15. Ben True in 2015 as well. Molly Huddle in 2017. And Lopez Lamong in 2019. Um, but of those four, only... Rupp and Huddle contested both worlds. But nevertheless, it's a chance for Carissa to also qualify in the 5,000. And it probably limits the chance of the other people um, who did not make the field in, in the, in the 10,000. It lessens their chance of making it in the 5,000. It narrows it down. So I think it's a little... Um, I don't know. I'm very mixed on this, um, why, why they held uh, the... Uh, U.S. 10,000 Championships Friday. I'm very mixed on it. Let's just put it that way. But nevertheless, it's fantastic to see Carissa back. And she is one of my top 10 of the last two weeks, top 10 performances. These are in no uncertain order, by the way. This, these, are, these are not in any kind of order here. I'm just kind of going with Carissa leading off because it's the most immediate to me. And it's the injury <laughs> recovery uh, part of the show as my number two um, athlete that I wanted to mention, athlete or team, is Matt Hansen, um, a former Storm Lake resident, Buena Vista athlete, also came back from a uh, difficult um, meniscus surgery um, in... Yeah, it was in August, I believe. August, September, he, he had a meniscus surgery. 
Um, it did not look good. Um, 13th place at the Ironman World Championships in St. George, Utah, uh, which is now three weeks ago. Well, he showed up at the Ironman 70.3 North American Championships a week ago now in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Very impressive runner-up performance from the former Buena Vista wrestler and athlete. Um, he was right in the pack. He was right there uh, when, uh, in a pack of 10, a 10 triathletes after the 56-mile bike leg. But then um, Jason West, who won the Half Ironman event here in Des Moines a year ago, he took over in the half marathon, um, pulled away immediately from everybody, and um, and ended up in the winning the race. But Hansen was was also had an impressive um, half marathon, and he finished second um, in three thirty eight twelve overall for that um, for that Ironman seventy point three North American Championships in Chattanooga. So he was just about a, a minute behind Jason West. So really good performance for Hansen, showing he's all the way back. And I see he's on the entry list for the Ironman event coming to Des Moines, which is coming up in just, as I, as I record this, uh, 13 days away. So um, that's going to be exciting. On to the team championship portion of this podcast. As I highlight the, the last two weeks, of performances in track and field and triathlon and let's go to the Iowa Western women's track and field team they won the national championship well it was a week ago Saturday in Hutchinson Kansas they swept the indoor and outdoor team championships getting it done um, well getting it done in very impressive fashion um, it was a multifaceted performance there Behind Hilda Chebet, Miracle Ailes, and Antonio Antonia Seeley, it was Chebet who doubled her number of national championships in track and field from three to six, with victories in the ten thousand, five thousand, and fifteen hundred. Um, so it was Chebet who was from Transnazoya, Kenya, freshman. She started off the victory uh, run with. 10,000 meters. She won that in 37.43 by over a minute. She won just by over a minute at Gowan Stadium. Very uh, dominant final 2,000 meters. Um, she pulled away there. Um, and then Chibet, two days later, she held off uh, Emma Hoynes, who is a freshman from Hawkeye Community College, by 2.39 seconds to win the 1,500 meters in 4.47 59 and then by the way she qualified for the 1500 final by running in the 1500 prelims the day before uh, running 459 in that one um, cruising to that one and then uh, in the 5000 in the second to last event she added her third championship of the weekend on Saturday by running 1759 to beat her teammate Mercy B. Watt by just under 11 seconds. So very impressive. Um, and she one-ups her, well, her former Reaver runner, Faith Linga, who had won the 10,000, 5,000 and finished runner-up in the 1,500 meters a year ago. So this time, Chibet does one better. She wins all three of them. 
Like I said, there were other performances. Miracle Ailes was the winner in the long jump, um, defeating her own teammate, Alaya McNeil, in that event. Uh, McNeil was the winner in the high jump. And then you had Antonia Seeley, who was the heptathlon champion, um, winning, winning that performance. Um, that's seven events. That's not easy. Over a full weekend, of course two days. And then um, uh, the final winner was Victory George, a sophomore for Iowa Western. She won the triple jump. So um, Iowa Western scored in the, the dominant performance. They scored in 16 different events to win the national championship by 19 points. So congratulations to Doug Marshall, who is a podcast guest of mine a few uh, weeks back. Um, so congratulations to Doug Marshall and his staff for winning another national championship. Indoor and outdoor, they won them both. So that's uh, one of my team championships. The other one is the Lorist women who made a bit of history by, uh, well, winning their third straight NCAA Division Three outdoor track and field championship. That was in Geneva, Ohio. The Loris women getting it done at the Spire Institute, and it was it was dramatic here. Um, the The championship really came down to the triple jump, which was finishing up, and the four by four relay. It was down to Loris and Lacrosse, Wisconsin, um, but Lacrosse only scored two in the triple jump, which means which meant that Loris needed. Just a third place finish from the four by four to secure the title, but 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 lacrosse also had a four by four entry, so um, you know there was still quite a bit on the line there. And what do the Duocs do? They win that four by four title. Um, it's their first four by four title in their program history to claim the national championship. And um, well, and and. Um, this championship run started three years ago at the Spire Institute. Um, they won it, um, um, yeah, during the three-year run. Of course, 2020 didn't happen, so it was 19 um, at the Spire. And then uh, last year was in North Carolina. They came back to Ohio, got the job done. And it was impressive because Loris really lost four probably points that they were counting on when you know, all uh, all everything star Cassie Parker uh, ended up finishing runner up nationally in uh, in the ten thousand and the five thousand. Um, most people like me were expecting the school record holder in every distance event. That's not the steeplechase, and also owns um, some national uh, records as well. Expected her to win nationals, but uh, Ari Marks of Wesley had other ideas. Um, she knocked off Cassie, who is a former Clayton Ridge of Guttenberg Prep, in both the 10,000 um, and the 5,000 in both of those events. But nevertheless, um, despite um, Cassie, I'm sure she's very disappointed after um, interviewing her a year ago for this podcast. Got to be disappointing, but um, winning an, uh, another team championship will help ease that sting for sure. So that um, three in a row, where does that put them in history? 
Well, they're the first women's team since Warburg College of Iowa to win three in a row. And it's their fourth overall national title as well after they won the indoor crown earlier this year. So they're on a big roll there in um, in Duhawk land in Dubuque. Congratulations to Loris for winning that national championship. Okay, on to Division Two NCAAs. And this is very impressive. We have former Garner Hayfield Ventura Prep, Reese Smith, not only winning his first national championship in the men's 3000 steeplechase finals, he did that, he got it done on Friday night, but he's also set a Division II national championship record time. Reese blowing away the field, running 833-64, a great time, and that time, by the way, is... Number five all-time in NCAA Division II history uh, across all meets, um, not just nationals. So um, the Northwest Missouri State sophomore got it done. And he ran the—this is hard to believe. He ran the—according to Northwest information, he ran the last 400 meters in 61 seconds. Um, That's running four barriers as well. That's impressive. So, and Reese is another guest of mine. He's been on the show as well. So the guy from Garner, Iowa, flatland up there in North Iowa, well, he got it done. And interestingly, he's the first men's champion in in Northwest history to do it in a running event on the track. Um, Their previous seven national outdoor champions were all in field events. So he's the first runner to get it done. So um, performance, A1 performance there. Uh, Race was the class of the field. He came in with the number three seated time, but he runs, like I said, 833-64 to win by almost 10 seconds over Clement Doiju of Adams State. So, Reese, the first national championship of his career, and I have a feeling it's probably not his last. Another national championship. In fact, we had two with Iowa ties that won both of the steeplechase events, and the other one was Eleonora Kurtabi, former Iowa Central star. She now runs for West Texas A&M. She uh, also with another impressive performance. She's a junior from Turin, Italy. She wins the 3,000 women's steeplechase final on Friday in Allendale, Michigan. Um, She ran her final lap in 112.07 to break her own school record um, and run 10.07.77. And her... Well, her margin of victory was five seconds. It was five seconds over Walsh's Alexa Leppelmeyer. So for Kartabi, who is a junior at West Texas A&M, like Reese Smith, this is her first national title. She improved big time. She was only 14th at nationals in the steeplechase a year ago. So a huge improvement for Kartabi. She's been the dominant uh, uh, performer in the steeplechase in Division Two, She's also really good in the 1500 as well, um, and the 5000 this year. But 
they opted to run her exclusively um, in in the steeplechase for the for nationals, and it paid off for them because she was impressive and blew everybody away. And by the way, uh, her performance helped West Texas A and M win the national championship again. Uh, they got their second national title in four years. Um, the Lady Buffs had a program record seventy seven points, and they had four national champions and 15 All-Americans to get the job done in Allendale, Michigan. So Eleanor Kurtabi, former Triton, getting the job done um, in very impressive fashion in Michigan. Okay, back to four athletes to go. They're all athletes, and back to the NJCAAs. And this is Emma Hoynes again. I mentioned her already. She was runner-up to Hilda Chibet in the 1500. That's no shame there. Um, she ran uh, about 450 in the final of that 1500, but that came on the heels the day after she won the 3000 steeplechase. Uh, that was Friday night in Hutchinson, Kansas. Um, she, she dominated just like Ray Smith. She won by over 11 seconds over Garden City Shireen Chariot, um, to win an 110737. Hoynes is a true freshman for Hawkeye Community College. She went to school at Waverly Shellrock, and she is already signed to go to Northern Iowa in the fall. So that's fantastic for her to go out as a national champion in her one season of junior college running. So we'll see her running for the Panthers. She's going to make a big difference for Dave Paulson um, there, uh, as well as... Alexina Tubal, <laughs> again, another one of my podcast guests. Maybe I can get Emma Hoynes on my show. Uh, that'd be great. That's her second. She she won two All-American finishes on the weekend, like I said, the 1500 and the 3000 steeplechase. Okay, we haven't done anything on NAIA and got to, got to point out this guy. He's a Grandview senior. Um, he's a senior academically, apparently. Um, they've got him as a junior for the meet, so I think he's got one more year left. This is Isaiah Whitrock. I did not know this guy was such a good 1,500-meter runner. Um, I kind of penciled him in as an 800 runner, but he showed in the final uh, on Friday in Gulf Shores, Alabama, that he can run the 1,500 awfully darn well. Um, he held off Montreat sophomore Dylan Branch to win the national championship, running 351.57. He held off Branch by 0.26 of a second to capture his first national championship. And he did it <laughs> in a school record. Uh, that 351.57 is a school record. But he also did it with only qualifying with the ninth fastest time. Um, the day before. So Whitrock had plenty more in the tank. And um, this 1500 was impressive also because it came less than three hours after he ran on the 4x8 relay. That was an all-Iowa relay that finished national runner-up. Um, it was Talon Munger, who is a senior from Oskaloosa, Ben Huftelin, a senior from Osage, Carter Heiser, who's a junior from Oskaloosa, and Whitrock, who went to Pekin 
He's from Richland, um, right around Ottumwa. Um, um, so anyway, those were the four who ran on that four by eight that finished national runner up. They broke the school record seven thirty point six seven. That's a that's an outstanding time if you look at it. That's one fifty three a man basically. Um, uh, seven, yeah, one fifty two, one fifty three a man, uh, uh, per runner there. They were beaten only by Indiana Wesleyan, 729-44. So they were just over a second there uh, behind Indiana Wesleyan. So uh, Isaiah Whitrock, two All-American finishes, including that national championship in the 1500s. Congratulations to him, and maybe we'll see him back next year. We'll I've got two more performances to mention before I bring in Abby Caldwell to finish off this program. And it is Warper College's Christopher Collett who wins the national championship in the 3000 steeplechase. He's had a really impressive spring. Um, he's kind of been in the shadow of Joe Freeberger in a lot of distance races, but he's really shown um, in this 3000 steeplechase that that's kind of his, his event. And he's owned it this year. Well, he grabs the national championship. Um, he wins in 850-57. He won by three-tenths, just three-tenths of a second there. Um, it wasn't much um, as he held off. Well, it was Christian Patska. Christian Patska of Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, both of them ran PRs, but it was Collett that set the school record. 850-57, like I said. And he came back around. Um, this was on Saturday, also in Geneva, Ohio. He came back later in the day and, and finished a respectable 10th in the 5,000 final. So um, so it was a hot you know, weekend in Ohio, and he comes back and still runs 1437 in that 5,000 to narrowly miss uh, scoring points uh, you know, and earning first-team All-American. But got to tip my hat off to Collett. Um, he's, a, like I said, a junior from Illinois. He wins his first national championship in that 3,000 steeplechase, holding off a runner from Wisconsin Whitewater. My final athlete is a good one because it leads right into my conversation with Abby Caldwell. And anytime you can break a school record at Iowa State, you've done something. <laughs> Let's face it, they have a great running tradition there. And Nehemia too got the 1500 record uh, broken at Fayetteville, Arkansas. It was an impressive performance by him. And, well, he didn't even know if he was going to make it to Eugene because in that what they call the NCAA quarterfinals in, uh, in Fayetteville, he finished sixth in his heat. Um, he could not get Colorado State's Jacob Bruckman at the line. So his 339.15 had to wait. He had to wait it out to see if that would make it. Fortunately, it did because the winner of the second heat was Jonathan Davis of Illinois in only 342.69. So for Nehemia 2, he found out just a little later that not only is he going to nationals, but he also broke the school record previously held by Steve Green, which <laughs> went way back um, while he was 
representing Jamaica at the 1994 Commonwealth Games. So um, that was a long, that might have been Iowa State's long-standing record. But Nehemia II's got it now. And um, not only that, but he is, um, that uh, too becomes uh, Iowa State's first NCAA Outdoor Championships qualifier in the 1500 since 2010 when Brandon Rooney made it. So it's been a long drought of 12 years for Iowa State, but uh, Nehemia too is making the trip. And um, not only that, uh, there's a backstory here, a little bit here. He just missed the school record earlier this year at the Brian Clay Invitational when he, when he ran 339.27. So, um, but this time, this time he improves by 0.12 of a second, but that was enough to knock Steve Green off. So, Nehemia 2 is my last athlete or team that I wanted to mention. Okay, before I bring on Abby here to talk about Iowa State's performance at the Big 12 and at the West Prelims, I want to mention a couple of bit of news here, a couple items here. Kaylee Logue, <laughs> I talked to her. Um, she is uh, friends with Kaylee. Kaylee kind of mentioned to her in secret to Abby about what her plans were. And, um, well, I was wrong. On Twitter, I put out there that I thought Logue was... Well, why wouldn't why wouldn't she be running unless she was hurt? I mean, that was the only logical thing that she was probably going to finish out her eligibility, and she was going to probably I don't know turn pro. Seemed like she was still staying at Iowa State, but no, um, she put out on Instagram very short message um, that she's excited for the next adventure at ISU grad school and one last year being a student athlete. So Kaylee is going to come back for her outdoor season next year, and that's it. That's all she's got for eligibility, just one outdoor season. So I'm going to find out more from um, Abby about why she's um, taking a redshirt year, but she definitely redshirted, and we'll see Kaylee back um, starting in late March once Iowa State starts their outdoor season. Um one of the sad parts about um, the weekend for Iowa State, they had some tough calls, um, close calls, but um, Thomas Pollard's career ended, former Gilbert High star, um, and a guy who's been at Iowa State for, what, six, seven years now um, because of injuries and, of course, heart surgery um, he had. Um, he, um, he had a tough uh, finish to his career, um, through no fault of his own, um, in the 10,000 final on, um, on Wednesday, um, a runner behind, in front of him, um, with four laps to go, just over four laps to go, fell in front of him. Um, well, maybe it's three laps to go. It was, it was not much left, uh, fell in front of him and, um, he got knocked down and, um, it was enough to, um, you know, enable him to fall back 20, 25 meters away. Um, and, and he couldn't come back from it. He was one of three runners, uh, Ryan Ioannidis of Air Force, and I believe Cormac Dalton also were the other two that also got knocked down. Um, but they went, they appealed it, and the official, the, the head official said, 
you know, it's more or less a final. It's like an NCAA final here because under NCAA rules, there's only 12 that make it out of this, um, this um, 10,000 prelim that make it to Eugene. They don't allow any more in. It's just 12, 12 out of the east, 12 out of the west. So he was out of luck. Um, they couldn't advance him. There wasn't another, you know, 10,000 heat here. Um, and there's no grounds for um, allowing him to go to Eugene. Now, his father, who is, of course, Jamie Pollard, Iowa State um, athletic director, put out a, 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 a tweet earlier today, actually. And it says, if there was ever any doubt the NCAA is tone-deaf to student-athletes, take a quick moment to read the attached editorial. Well, it talks about how the head referee agreed with the coaches who um, appealed, um, which was Iowa State's uh, Jeremy Sudbury, along with, it was Arkansas. It was Arkansas runner and Air Force as well. So it was an Arkansas runner who also tripped and fell. Those were the three, so it was Ryan Ioannidis, and now I'm looking, it must be an Emmanuel Chebosan was the other one. They all three were impacted by the fall there from the runner ahead uh, going down, and they tripped him up. But, you know, Pollard's blaming the NCAA. Jamie Pollard is. Uh, he's blaming the NCAA uh, for their archaic methods, um, saying you know, the end had, had a referee agreed with the coaches, but he said, my hands are tied with the NCAAs. Um, so basically, you know, if you're in an 800 race, if you're in a, 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 a first round, they'll advance you to the next round if you're impeded. And he also put out a video of a Kansas runner who got impeded um, and was allowed to move on to the next round as well um, on Twitter. He, he put that out as, as an example of the egregiousness of between the 800, which was very minor, compared to the, um, well, NASCAR blowout at Talladega crash that, that happened in the 10,000 meters. Um, so he's blaming the NCAA, but the coaches who are on these NCAA committees, they're the ones who are, you know, who are, creating the rules here. So it's up to the coaches to fix this. And so he really needs to get in his ear to Jeremy Sudbury, who, you know, could eventually serve on one of these committees that, hey, you know, talk to your representative about this. Talk to um, your, your committee on this. Um, it doesn't do a lot of good to, to spout off on Twitter about, especially if you're an athletic director at a big five powerhouse school like Iowa State to complain about your son getting impeded and, and um, you know, the way it all went down, that it's a travesty. I mean, the NCAA is all about coaches on these committees, <laughs> and it's, you know, the coaches who decide the rules. So it's up to um, him, uh, Jamie, to talk over to his own coach, Jeremy Sudbury, hey, get on one of these committees or something, change things, you know, let's change the rules here so that you can advance in a final race like that where the 10,000 is, you know, or an 800 quarter final that we saw, um, or like Nehemia 2's race, you know, um, that's the same instance. If he was impeded in his race, 
he would have been out of luck as well. Um, that's just the way it is. And it's not fair um, the way track and field is. But to go off on Twitter and blame the NCAA institution, which is an easy target right now, certainly with NIL going on and, and just the crazy wild, wild west of, of athlete spending everywhere. Um, <laughs> transfers can go anywhere they want and, and you can make any sort of multi-million deal with any company. With all that going on, you know, the NCAA being an easy target. Really, the problem is it's the rules that this NCAA track and field committee set. It's not the NCAA. And I might add a very classy move by the younger Pollard. Um, just his, his reaction after getting knocked out in his final meet as a cyclone, his final race as a cyclone. This came out on May 26th. This is what he had to say. Hard to find the words for how much wearing the Iowa State jersey meant to me. So thankful for my SA experience and all the people running brought into my life. Cyclone track is in great hands and I'm excited to follow the future of the program. So that's a class act by the younger Pollard, um, the former Gilbert High prep, Thomas. Very classy act. You could have gone out and complained on Twitter, but you kept it kept it positive. And for that, I respect you greatly. And to talk more about Thomas Pollard and the Iowa State Cyclones, bringing in former Waverly Shell Rock and all Big 12 athlete, Abby Caldwell. Hello, Abby. Hi. Hello. Got a good hike in today in Colorado. <laughs> yes, I did. What else There's... do you do out in Colorado? You enjoy the outdoors, right? Yeah. Um, uh, there's so much to do here. It's crazy. But yeah, we uh, it was a great three-day weekend. We were outside quite a bit, did some things with some friends. And yeah, it was good. Hopefully it didn't get blown away like we did in Iowa. <laughs> the wind is just crazy here today. Oh, I'm not surprised. Hopefully it was was a lot more nice there. Yeah. Um, A lot to catch up with with you on. Um, uh, Let's start with uh, your your buddy, good friend, Kaylee Logue, um, came out a week ago on Instagram, said um, going to grad school at Iowa State, and she's going to come back for one more outdoor season with the Cyclones. Uh, I'm a little surprised, but um, do you know – anything more about um, yeah um I actually talked with Kaylee a lot about it I think she probably reached out to me because I've been in her shoes multiple years of deciding Mm -hmm. if I'm gonna come back or not like especially with my seventh year deciding to come back for one more season and whatnot um so I think uh I know that like Kaylee takes her school really seriously. And I think that having a master's degree like um, was definitely enticing for her to come back. But also I think that um, I know that she was um, not a hundred percent with um, her, like not an injury. I don't actually know the details of it, but I think that she had been struggling with some things. And then there was this opportunity to redshirt and come back next year. And um that was part of that played into it. Um, I know that if she was a hundred percent, she probably wouldn't have done this. Um, she wouldn't have redshirted, you know, cause she's so good and everything. But yeah, I think, um, I think everyone's really excited. I mean, I, 
anyone, even like me being older than her, I could learn so much from her. So I think it's great for the younger girls. I think it's great for Coach Amy. Um, and it's she's such a good person too that it, she's a great face for the program and everything. So I I only see positives. Yeah, and and they're and they're and the women are coming off their best finish in Big Twelve since twenty fourteen. Yeah. Okay, so they had a good Big Twelves for them. So she could really uh, boost them up there. Uh, you know, uh, with her and Dana Fan and the distance races and. and yeah, it's come around, you know, make a good, strong push for the top three next year. For sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll be getting to big 12s um, a little bit later on that. So, well, that that, that makes more sense that she wasn't uh, quite healthy. Um, mm-hmm. that makes a lot more sense to me why she did redshirt, because short of that, I didn't uh, quite understand why she right. would have redshirted there. So what is her... Um, what is she going to pursue a master's in? I can't remember what it is, but I know she's got, I think it's kinesiology for her undergrad. So I'm guessing it's some, I think she wants to be like a teacher of some sort, like a, in the science area, unless that's totally changed. That could have totally changed. And I know that she wants to pursue um, running post collegiately as well. Yeah. So um, I think, this sets her up to have another year to um, have more options, I think, too. Yeah. Well, I that was that was my thought that was out there on uh, on on Twitter. I thought she was gonna gonna turn pro. I thought she was gonna go, um, you know, get some sponsorship and yeah, maybe maybe turn pro because um, it didn't seem logical to me, short of an injury, why she would come back. But uh, yeah. But yeah, um, give it one more go and see how it see how see how it runs. So not everybody can be Wesley. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, his resume is just a little bit different. Yeah, than, very than, much. Yeah, because Kaylee's still got a lot to do on the on the national level. Uh, yes, wise. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a big motivator for. Her. And we've got uh, a lot of cyclones who are going to be going to Eugene, Oregon in two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Um, it was uh, a lot of good performances, a couple near misses. Um, let's jump into that. Um, okay. How about Ryan Ford? You know, one oh season with Iowa State, this guy just continues to really just improve race by race, it seems like. Um, you know, he had a great big 12s that comes in and then um, qualifies for Eugene. This is a guy who uh, was kind of a fringe guy in cross country and wow, he's really just jumped up there. Um, and, uh, been a great uh, transfer. Yeah. I think, um, I think I, I know that everyone on the team is a big fan of him. And I think that, um, his attitude plays a big part in like his success. You know, he was never like a huge name or anything, but he's been pretty consistent this whole time. And, um, I think that, especially now with the, um, the team's atmosphere. Um, I think that, um, when you have that momentum behind you, it helps you a lot, especially for these bubble people, right? Like Mm. that he kind of came out and like, I think he's been really solid, but it wasn't like, Oh, he's for sure going to nationals. Right. And, um, I think that like having, he's not the first guy that you would say, Oh, he's going to nationals. Right. And I think that, um, 
I think the team atmosphere plays a huge part in that too, with a lot of people that are bubble type people, you know? So I don't know. I think that's awesome. I, I love the stories about the people that like weren't expected to make it and they make it, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. He's got his shot in the 5,000 and you know, Iowa state's been really good in the eight hundreds and, and you get two uh, out there. Jason Gomez, say what you want. The guy's mercurial. He's up and down, but he seems to be up when it counts and uh, during the big meets. And, and he's going back to nationals for a second straight season. And Sebastian mm-hmm. Jones is joining him. So that was yeah. really good. Uh, I think. I think Jason is a gamer. Like, I like. There's some people that maybe aren't super consistent, but when it matters, they show up. And he seems to be one of those types of people. And wow, I'm just like, you never know what you're gonna get. But then, like, somehow he always makes it happen. You know, it's cool. I, like, I'm proud of him for doing that, for making it again. You know. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a toss up about which of the. Uh, Cyclones was going to make it and um, you know because you had four <laughs> Peter mm-hmm. Smith almost made it uh, so close there um, just missed out um, by just about a tenth of a second uh, that's really tough for him to, to make it um, one of three Iowa State runners I'd say that had to walk away from Fayetteville a little bit disappointed um, being so close yeah so um, but uh, what do you think about Sebastian? Um, oh, gosh. As far as Eugene, um, first time out there, is he going to handle the pressure pretty well? Or... I think so. I really do think so. I mean, I don't know who's going to make it on. Like, especially in the 800, it's so close of who makes it on, who doesn't, you know, because there's so many people that are around the same times. But I think that – I think he's in a really good place. I think um, – I think Jeremy has been really good for him. I know that he struggled a little bit with um, some mental health issues. And I think that um, being surrounded, like he's been, he's been open about it. So I'm not like, I don't know details or anything, but he's been open about it on his Instagram. And I think that like, I think Jeremy has been a really great um, person for him away from home. You know, like I think that, um, he seems to just keep getting better and keep showing up. And so I think, I think Jeremy will make sure he's ready. And no matter what happens, I think at least he'll like have success in some area at nationals. Yeah. It's gotta be uh, tough for uh, kids like him that are, you know, a long ways from home. You know, he's from Florida. He's from Miami. Yeah. Um, he's, he's been around a little bit. But, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's in the yeah. Midwest, you know, uh, quite a bit away from his from his family and that sort of thing. So, yeah, the stresses of college, and, you know, trying to your own expectations on the track. Uh, it's a it's a tough. Uh, did you have anything like that? Did you have any sort of uh, struggles there with you, on on your side? With um, I think academics, athletics. I think every, I think the majority of athletes struggle with something because like when you're having an off season, right? Like when you're not competing at your best, I think it's natural for you to feel like you're not good enough or whatever it may be because we put these insane expectations of ourselves, even though it may not be logical, it's just what seems to happen. So, um, 
I think, yeah, we all kind of struggle with something along those lines and maybe it's not, um, depression or, um, whatever, whatever else, but it's, uh, I think it's, it's sad that it's so normal, you know, that it's kind of comes with it is how it seems anyways, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about it. You know, I think, I think it, um, people struggle with it with at different degrees for sure. Yeah. Real people persons has got to be a a very big struggle uh, the last few years, you know, last couple of years with the pandemic and isolation and it's got to be difficult for them. Yes, Um, for sure. So, um, uh, so there was, uh, you know, some tough, um, like I said, some tough performances there. Thomas Pollard, you know, about four laps to go at the race. He gets, you know, somebody in front of him, ball goes down, he gets clipped and pretty much is, that's, that ends his race. Um, that has to be a tough for your career to end um, in such a fashion that, you know, you're not able to make up the distance there him and two other uh men went down with you know uh, innocent victims but unfortunately they uh were not um ruled ahead mm-hmm. um i'm sure you've seen it um yeah i've you- seen some stuff on twitter about it them trying to appeal it and whatnot and it being unsuccessful yeah so it's it's it's, it's a tough break um and, before we recorded this, uh, I had a, I had a, my opinion on this was that, you know, his father, Jamie Pollard, high profile, um, went out on Twitter and said the NCAA is tone deaf to student athletes. And to me, that, that, that's not the NCAA that's doing this. This is, you know, this is the referee at, <laughs> at the meet that's, you know, that ruled against him. And, um, to, to say that the NCAA is, is wrong here, um, if, if, if anything, his own coach is, you know, possibly on a committee here that's going to, you know, change rules or, or that sort of thing, or even mm-hmm. you know, be on some, some of these things to change things so that it's not just a rule where 12 get in from each site for the, the, the 10,000, that there is some exception to that. And so it's his own coach that can change that. It's, it's not the NCAA. Um, your feeling on that. Um, I think I think it's tough like I'm a huge Thomas fan I think he's a great runner he's a great person um and I I feel for him you know it sucks like um when he was so close to making it and he who knows like he he could have made it if he didn't get tripped up or he could have (laughs) not like we have no idea what could have happened because four laps is still a long time in a 10k or three laps or however many like so like we don't know for sure, but it's it, it's it's t- a tough position, you know. Like part of it is because we don't know. There's three more. He he could have looked great, and he w- could have gotten fifth place and punched his ticket or whatever it may be. But like it is hard when we allow twelve people to move on from the like the region, right? So. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's tough. I mean, nobody wants to go out that way. And I think that for the rest of his life, he's going to probably think like, oh, I could have made nationals, but I like didn't Right? like he was so close, but I I think that it's just, we don't know what would have happened. So, I mean, 
it's a tough break. You would have liked yeah. to have seen him get there, but but again, yeah. uh, the rules are there, and um, maybe uh, hopefully Jeremy can be on a committee that uh, that can get that changed. So yeah, it's just it's hard. I I I feel for Thomas, uh, but I don't. You've been in a position where you had to uh, appeal, where you had to do, where somebody impeded you or um, something. I like that. haven't actually. No, I. I don't think that I've been in anything like that that I can remember. So no, um, but I just I did my last race ever wearing the Cyclone uniform. I uh, hit a barrier and went down. So I kind of know how he feels in a sense, in a sense but yeah. um, not where it was that it was not the fault of my own. <laughs> so. Um, no, it sucks. It does. And I, I wish that there was a better answer to it. And, um, yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. I think that that's just, I mean, even the NCAA or whoever, or the referees or whoever's in charge of it, that's even a tough position for them too, you know? Yeah. I mean, the referee, uh, you know, in charge like, of the meet has, has to make it, has to make it a tough call. So, and couple close calls. You had Janet Schraft was 14th coming off a really good big 12. She was just two spots away. And then uh, Dana Fan, who I thought was the star of the big 12s, she comes out unlucky 13. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that. Those are, spot away. So yeah, those are, those tough. are tough breaks, you know, um, but I think that they, both of them, um, did what they could you know I, I even like looked at the times and stuff and there's still five seconds between dana's like being in dana's race between 12th and 13th yeah. so uh that's like a chunk of like that's some distance like five seconds is longer than like that's visible difference between between 12 and 13 right that's, and that's, so that's, that's easier to live with here yeah instead of like 0.01 <laughs> smith who missed it by 0.13 yeah and so um but for both of them they're still young i think they both have two outdoor seasons left like this should be field of the fire like they get a break now and then they can train for cross and everything i think um they should still be super proud of themselves i know it's tough but i think that like they should both have their heads held high and be proud of themselves and somebody who should, I think, is Winnie uh, Chazane. Um, really did well, firing off a couple PRs late in this in the season. Yeah, and she I think she's done really now well. too, right? She gra- she's she done. is done. Yeah, yeah. eligible wise, yes. So, yeah, that she she, she ran a PR um, thirty four twenty six to get twentieth. So, um, yeah, really good nice. for her. That's really a great nice. way to go out too. Even though she didn't make it on, like to end your career with a PR is. Is special. Yeah. And it's it's great to see a junior college kid from the state do well to move up. Uh, it's a, yeah. it's a good for the junior colleges here in Iowa uh, for them to have success at the next level. Good to see that. Yeah. So, and she's, um, yeah, had a good, really good senior season. Uh, season. Um, you know anything about her? Do you keep in touch with her? I don't. I, I don't. Good talk to her a ton um i know that she is married and um so i'm assuming she'll be starting a family soon um i think i know she wants to be a nurse 
So um, I don't know, like, what goes into that. If she needs to, like, take some tests or whatever. But I think she's going to probably stay in Iowa. I know her husband's family is from Iowa. So um, I don't talk to her much. But I know that she wants to be a nurse and wants a family. So don't know when that'll all start. But okay. <laughs> all right. So, um, like I said, uh, I thought Dana was the big star of the, of the Big 12 meet, um, winning the 5,000, keeping that 5,000 in-house with Iowa State runners, joining a really uh, select group. Um, how do you look at the, at the cross country now coming back in the fall? Do you, do you feel like on the women's side? Yeah, I, I think. It feels like they might be stronger than the men now with the men losing, um, of course, Wesley and Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the women are in a really good place. I think, I think that um, that they'd be seniors now, like the Dana and Jeanette and Madeline and Grace's class. I think that they're gonna be really strong. They're gonna be the leading class um, for sure. And I think that Taylor Briggs, that freshman this year, I think um, we didn't see much of her. I don't think a ton of her, but I think, I think I know she's a good runner. I could see her coming around this next year. Um, I just, I think that I have no idea what's going on on the other teams, but I think that like, we've got a couple, I think we've got a solid group with Dana and everybody like that. You know, I think Dana will be a huge impact on the team. Yeah. Madeline, uh, MJ, as you call her. Yeah. <laughs> and we just don't know about Kiki Connell. You know, yeah. She, uh, you know, give her you know, a second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, names, you know, she could really blossom because she's clearly very talented. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I, yeah, I'm kind of in that camp with you. I think, I think the women, yeah, might be in, might be in great position. Uh, uh, possibly better than the men, but we'll have to see once. Uh... Yeah, and I think the men, it'll be interesting to see, like, who comes out of th- with the transfer portal now, too. I think it'll be interesting, not just the men, this is men and women, but, like, we're wrapping up a season here, and usually once the season gets over, there's a lot of people that enter the transfer portal. So I think, like, the coaches don't stop in the summer. We're like, who knows who's going to be coming in, you know? So could go both ways yep Mm -hmm. all right well uh, i guess we'll uh have to catch up in two weeks time after nationals sounds good thanks for having me